So, fellow Sonic fan Streitzer did a video a couple months ago where he talked about uh, Carl Bowler's uh, Carl, Carl Bowler's uh, run on the Archie Sonic book as head writer, and he basically did essentially a 77-minute retrospective on the entire run, basically from the first issue he wrote to the last issue he wrote. And he did talk about some of the positives and even some of the negatives in between, what he considered was some of the best issues, you know, of each year that Carl was the head writer, you know, for the book, to what was some of the worst issues. And surprisingly, one thing he did bring up, of course, was 134 and the infamous slap moment uh, in that issue. Now, he basically argued the fact that he didn't think it was that bad, that it's basically, I, I guess you could say, um, oversaturated with its disdain by the fans. And he basically brought up several reasons why, you know, justifiably, Sally did what she did. Now, you know, I'm not going to argue the fact that he doesn't bring up some good points. I mean, let's be honest with ourselves. When Sally saw that Sonic was alive, and, you know, Sonic basically saying, you know, aren't you, you know, kind of be, aren't you going to act surprised like everybody else that I'm alive? What was Sally's answer? Sally said no, that she always knew he'd come back to her. Basically, what Sally did there, uncharacteristically, uh, being in that moment of shock, you know, being Sally, she came up with a liable excuse that, you know, knowing Sonic Sonic, that she believed he would come back, even though we can plainly see before she sees him that, yeah, like everybody else, she thought he was dead. And even finally, when that moment came around, you know, she actually admitted it. Now, true, later on during the comics run, uh, peop- you know, other writers like Penders for a brief moment, and mostly Ian Flynn, kind of rectified that. You know, he rec- they rectified it by basically making Sally, in a sense, admit that you know she had you know, basically lied about knowing Sonic was alive, and, you know, and everything, and not admitting straight up to Sonic that yeah, I believed you were dead just like everybody else, and this is why I acted the way I did. I let my emotions, my PTSD, if you will, uh, get the best of me. And here's the thing too. Here's the thing too. I, I got to go back and watch this, but I think he probably points out that Sally had to essentially go through some, I guess you can say, some psychological therapy to get over what had just happened. You know, a year prior uh, to Sonic when he tried to save the world from that quantum dial. Now, be that as it may, again, he basically felt that, you know, the uh, disdain for the slap was being over, oversaturated, basically being over-exaggerated by fans. And again, he does bring up some good points. That There's no question about that. There's no question about that. Hold on a sec while I get some coffee here. Like I said, there's no question about that. You know, you know that basically, you know, he brought up the various reasons why she, you know, resulted, you know, resulted, uh, not resulted, but basically ended up doing what she did in 134. Yes, he does admit could have been handled better, you know, visually and probably script-wise. Yes, he does admit the situation could have been handled better. There's no denying that. I think everybody would agree that it could have been handled better, you know, uh, from a story perspective. But what was done was done. 
And thankfully, as I mentioned, you know, Ian Flynn, and even to an extent, Penders, before he left, tried to rectify that whole situation. Like, yeah, this, this is not a good thing for this character, you know, whatsoever. And thankfully, they stepped in, mostly Ian, and said, yeah, screw what happened in 134. I'm going to rectify that and fix it and get things back to status quo, which he pretty much did. Now, with that said... With that said, uh, basically, you know, he did, like I said, he did a decent job here for uh, for an over 77-minute retrospective video on the entire run of the uh, of Carl's, uh, you know, on the entire run of Carl's storytelling, if you will. Now, like I said, he brought up some good things and some bad things and stuff like that, which is kind of all right. And you can kind of tell that he wasn't too fond of the whole high school situation and, and everything, you know, going on there. But what was, you know, done was done, pretty much. But I think if it is one thing a lot of people, even Streitzer, would agree that Carl was mostly known for, and he does kind of point it out here in the retrospective, is over-dramatizing the stories. Basically taking the stories and turning them into essentially uh, essentially what you would see, um, I guess at the time, which was a popular trend, you know, on television, you would see the, um, I guess you could put it, the, I, I don't know how, how we would phrase it, the kind of the teen movement, if you will, the kind of the twilight teen movement, if you will. You know, basically Carl took, I'm, assu- I'm assuming the trend that was the hottest at that time, the teen twilight-like movement, and utilized it to kind of help tell the stories. Because one thing I believe Carl was doing, and the same with Penders um, as well, Ian, I think, kind of had a better idea of you got to make the comic for everybody, you know, give everybody something here and there. But I think the one thing that Ken and Carl basically um, had in common was that since the audience of the comic was growing up, that the characters and the stories they're associated with in that comic and the comic itself had to grow up as well, which is why Carl went down the road that he did. Yes, he did try to stay true to where, you know, to where the comic came from, try to keep some of that, you know, that comedic feel, if you will, kind of stay true to its roots. But you could tell by some of the full-on stories, you know, some of the short stories, you know, and everything and the issues, that he was definitely taking inspiration from that trend that was going on of the Twilight Teen, you know, phenomenon, and going with that, as well as basically going by the premise of, hey, if your audience is going to grow up, then your comic has got to grow up with them, so that, you know, you maintain that same audience, even as they get older, you know, in the process, you can allow the comic they enjoy to get older with them. You know, the stories get more mature, the characters get more complex, stuff like that. So there's no doubt that Carl definitely uh, lent a hand in that, especially when you see how things are kind of, you know, over-dramatized, you know, during the run. You know, there's no doubt, you know, there's no doubt noticing that, you know, whatsoever. You know, he's basically the storytelling, just by his storytelling, you could tell, you know, there were certain things that they were touching upon and doing that felt like these belong in novellas, if you will, or these belong in 
you know, the chapter books that, all the novels, you know, that, you know, movies like Twilight and The Hunger Games and all of them came out of, you know, or were inspired from. You know, basically you could tell that Carl was basically digging into that, that genre, if you will, to help, you know, uh, basically back up why the stories and the characters were acting the way they were and what justified those reasonings. Now, did he have some good stories? Yeah, there's no doubt. He definitely had some good stories. I'm, I'm not going to deny that. You know, I'm not going to deny that. Yes, did he make certain characters look like, you know, uh, they were selfish in what they were doing? Absolutely. I mean, one criticism people could give Carl um, when, he de- when he did the adaption of Sonic Adventure, if you will, for the comic, which for the time was one of the longest adaptations that... Carl and I think by extension Ken Penders had done for the comic and probably the longest story arc for the comic at that time because basically it, it spanned across it spanned across a lot of issues it took one 48 page super special issue and other regular issues to follow to complete it and originally it was also supposed to be extended into the Knuckles book before it got cancelled and thus the Knuckles stories that would have been its own more expanded continuation uh, of the Sonic Adventure adaptation were condensed down to pretty much a fragment of what they were as backup stories in the regular Sonic comic but still but still when you when people go back to this adaptation, like I said, the one thing that always gets pointed out is one of the negative things that he did from a character perspective, and that's with Amy Rose. You see, Amy Rose basically was determined to be, you know, with the Freedom Fighters. She wanted to go to Station Square with them. And some might even argue she also did what she did because she wanted to finally find a way to be with Sonic, impress Sonic, if you will. So the moment people talk about that they consider is Carl's one, – one of his crowning achievements of you know, painting an uh, established character in a negative light was when Amy used the Ring of Acorns to basically, um, age, wish, you know, basically wish and age herself older, basically to her more uh, updated, modernized design that she still has to this day. You know, so that was one of the negative aspects, you know, that they felt was a crowning achievement of Carl's by basically going and doing something like that when it wasn't needed to be done. Like you could have found another way to make it happen, just not in that way. Again, the other thing, like I said, that people talked about, which kind of had the positives and negatives to it, was when he would basically go the over-dramatization, Twilight kind of Hunger Games route with these stories. For example... When pretty much, you know, he had Sally, um, I guess you could say, be uh, possessed by the sort by the sort of uh, sort of acorns, which pretty much was connected to the source of all, and pretty much trying to tell her, hey, you know, this is what your future is going to have. This is where your future is leading you, and you need to know this stuff if you're going to be leader. You know, and everything. But Sally basically saying, no, I, I don't want to accept this. And that the sword is saying, no, you have to accept it. It's your destiny. So, you know, there was that over-dramatization there. Because even when Alicia, her mom, was wondering, what's wrong with you? What happened? Sally's answer to her at the end is, I think it's my destiny. 
I think it's my destiny calling me. And again, you could tell that that's inspired by the likes of Twilight, the likes of a Twilight and a Hunger Games and others. And because again, at that time, you know, I think while they were still in book format and getting ready to be you know, produced into movie format, these were the popular trends. You saw these kind of stories, you know, populating um, all of media, books, you know, um, online, you know. You know, uh, comics, if you will, television to an extent. You start to see it really popularize, you know, the industry, take hold of the industry. And Carl basically, and by extension Ken Penders, you know, felt like, hey, this is, this is what's popular with the fans. Let's, you, let's utilize that. And that's what they did. You know, that's what they did. So, you know, so basically, you know, long story short, when you look at the stories that Carl did, yeah, some of them were good, there's no doubt, and some of them were not so good, and some were in the middle. But basically, the one common goal, I think every, or well, not goal, but the one common you know, pattern that a lot of people say they could see when it comes to a lot of these stories is the fact that basically Carl Bowlers took inspiration, and I'm sure he's not the only comic book writer out there that took inspiration, but you could tell he took you know, inspiration from the trends that were hot at that time, you know, the popular, you know, modern, more storytelling trends of, you know, the likes of a Twilight or a Hunger Games or whatever was, or Divergent, if you will, whatever the most popular, you know, teen drama, you know, teen, uh, pre-teen, teen drama uh, trends that were at that time when it came to storytelling, you could definitely tell he took that as inspiration for his run. Now, Overall, in closing, do I think his run was bad? No. Do I feel that he has a lot of neg- do I not negative, but do I feel like he has a lot of baggage that came with it due to the way certain, certain moments and characters and stuff were handled? Yes. Do I think he needs to come out eventually? Eventually, because I think he has before, but I think he needs to come out eventually real soon and truly, in an interview, a Q&A, whatever, clarify, you know, the reasoning for a lot of these things. Do I think he needs to do that, you know, to get people off, of, off his back, like when it comes to the slap and Amy Rose and stuff like that? Absolutely. I do believe he needs to come out and do that, because once he does that, in my opinion, it will basically clear the air. In my, the way I say it, it will clear the air as to what's, you know, what happened behind the scenes when it came to you know, these characters, these moments, and, you know, and stuff like that. I mean, even, I mean, there's a lot of people that still wonder why he even went the high school route you know, for the characters by putting them in high school. Like, what was the real storyline reason for that, or what was the behind-the-scenes reason? And again, I think a lot of us could say that, oh, it's because the trend was the, the popular trend at the time was the team drama stories, and that's what influenced it. And maybe, maybe that's true. But, but I would like to hear it from his his own mouth. I'd like to hear it from his own words as to what that reasoning was. But anyway, though, guys, I just wanted to come on here, give a response to Streitzer's Archie Sonic retrospective on Carl Bowler's and his run um, uh, as, Archie, as Archie Sonic head writer and the ups and downs he went through. But what are your thoughts? What did you think about Carl when he ran? 
you know, or when he ran as the head writer. What were your thoughts on the storytelling, the way he you know, portrayed Pacific characters, moments? What were your thoughts in general? Let me know in the comments, as well as in the live chat during the premiere. Like the video. You will get an audio podcast version of this at BWROSS Discussions at all your favorite audio podcast locations except for Pandora. Also, check me out at my Teespring store by clicking in the upper left-hand corner, the icon there on your computer, for merchandise you can't get anywhere else. Also, check me out at divanot.com, says BVW1979. Also, check me out at Vimo, at BWRosses, for content you can't get here on YouTube. Also, check, support me over at Venmo, at Brian-Walmer. Dash two, and at Cash App at BWRosses98, and at Patreon.com, so that's BWRosses for the $1 or $3 tier. But guys, let me know what your thoughts are overall. I'd love to hear from each and every one of you on this. And until next time, I'm out.